Hey friends, welcome to the Bridge Podcast, a podcast all about building bridges between parenting and faith. The goal? To encourage and equip parents to be the spiritual leaders of their home. And now, your host, Cody Monkman. Hey everyone, I am so glad that you found the Bridge Podcast. Uh, This is a podcast where we just try to tackle everyday issues that are relevant to our lives in 2017. And one of the things that I've learned recently is there is a lot of young people out there that are really struggling with anxiety and or depression. And this is something that I don't know a whole lot about. Um, I presume that it isn't just in my personal student ministry, but it's in other ministries and other local churches and outside of our churches. Uh, This is just something with the pressures of our day. um, There's a lot of anxiety out there and a lot of depression, and I wanted to learn more about that. I wanted to learn uh, what what are the sources of this and how can we tackle this? How can you tackle this? How can your student or your child tackle this. Um, It's not impossible. And so I um, got to meet with Britt and man, I was so looking forward to this topic and kind of dissecting this with him as he was guiding me through it just because there is so many people out there where anxiety is a part of their everyday life. And so I hope that as you listen to episode six of the Bridge Podcast, that um, this will help you better understand uh, anxiety. Um, We didn't really tackle depression. We're saving that for another episode, but we really focused in on anxiety. And so if you're someone who has a loved one that struggles with anxiety, hopefully episode six will help you better understand that. And if you are someone who struggles with anxiety, I hope that you'll find this podcast episode um, as a resource as a, a, a way to equip you uh, to maybe give you something to help navigate through that, but also as an encouragement that you are not alone and that ultimately your identity should be found in Christ and in Christ alone. And so um, with all that said, here is my conversation with Britt Dunaway with the Psychology Specialist Organization out of Peoria and Bloomington, Illinois. Hey friends, you're listening to the Bridge Podcast, and I have been looking forward to meeting with Britt Dunaway. He is a licensed clinical professional counselor with uh, psychology specialists, and I'm in his Peoria office today, Peoria, Illinois. Um, Typically, I meet with him in Bloomington, Yes. um, but I'm in the new office. Um, You know, I didn't mention yet, but they keep this place pretty cold. The, the air is working really well here. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, um, But it's good to be here. Um, I've really been looking forward to this topic of anxiety because it really hit me in this last year. We've got a ton of students yeah. um, in our, our ministry that struggle with some form of anxiety or depression Mm, mm -hmm. and and these are these are good kids i mean like i feel like this topic right um the label can be out there that like it's for kids who are really struggling i would say like there is to a degree on all kids and and i just i can't help but think of just the pressures in the world um that um, these kids are living through and so um that's why i thought of you and i when did we first connect? Was it like two years ago? Yeah, two years ago when I first started with psychology specialist. Okay. Yeah. And were you down. just visiting a bunch of churches, or? Yeah, I was making some connections, um, letting people know that I do um, Christian counseling as one of my specialties, and working with you know kids, teenagers, and adults as well, um, being able to help them, you know, grow closer to God and have a healthier life. Mm-hmm. And you knew Greg from your Lincoln days. I did, yeah. I gra- Greg's my boss, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I graduated from Lincoln Christian University, undergrad and graduate school in 2008. And um, so that's how I knew Greg Taylor okay. um, through my time through Lincoln. Cool. And you mentioned that you do uh, Christian psychology counseling. Yeah. Not just for teens and children, but you do adults as well. Exactly. Okay, exactly. cool. 
Well, uh, today, um, initially when we met, I suppose, I wanted to talk about anxiety and depression. Correct. But you kind of explained to me that there's there's a difference between the two, and I, I wasn't totally aware of that. So yeah. explain for us what the difference is between anxiety and depression. Okay. Well, if you want a kind of a simple phrase about this, something that kind of helps remember to remember it, is that depression is like the fear of the past. That we get stuck in those things, we're worried about what happened in the past and how those are affecting us now. Anxiety is the fear of the future. What could happen? What might happen? Those things that are out of our control. And we want to speed up. We want to go faster because we feel like we want to take more control. While depression slows us down. That's why we mm. want to stay in bed more. Or sometimes in kids, um, in teenagers, we get more angry. We're just more irritable. Mm. And so um, that's where depression and anxiety differ in some ways. Um, they can be together in, in the same person, but um, they have different, they look different. Do you see one more frequently than the other? I'm seeing more anxiety okay. coming in right now. Um, with with people in general, um, especially with some of the kids, and these could be high achiever kids, mm-hmm. you know, and adolescents that they want to please people, they want to get you know high A's, they want to get B's, and these are the kids um, that would be labeled as good kids, oh, good yeah. students, like yeah, and their anxiety, and you'll find this out too with adults, their anxiety pays off for them, right? Mm. So because they work hard and they like to get ahead and they want to please people their anxiety then pays off for them until it gets to a point where it's not paying off anymore. It's causing more problems with um, stomach aches, headaches. Um, Their grades could start falling. Um, They're not managing their anxiety as well anymore. And so it's just, it's, you know, like I said, it's just creating more health problems for them. So there's for sure a difference between valuing improvement and consistent improvement and right. being that, you know, achieving and, mm-hmm. and setting goals right. and anxiety. Anxiety right. is when it alters your lifestyle. Right. When you start seeing areas where functioning is, fall, is going okay. down. So schoolwork, home life, um, friends as well. Um, they feel like they have to study more and they don't want to socialize very much at the same time, you know. Those are the areas that start causing more red flags and we need to look at, you know, getting more help. Now, do you see um, with anxiety, we're going to focus more on anxiety for this episode and save depression for another one, but with anxiety, do you see self-harm in play? Or is that a totally separate thing? Self-harm is probably a little bit more towards um, the depression side. Okay. You might see it if the self-harm could start to creep in if depression starts to creep in um, because they can't talk about their feelings. I always look at self-harm as it's a physical way to talk about what's going on on the inside. So when you start seeing self-harm or even suicidal ideation, there's really pain going on on the inside. Um, Can that happen with anxiety? A little bit, but not as much as with depression. Okay. And so that part, we want to talk about Hey, what are you really feeling on the inside? And we got to communicate those feelings. Yeah. Let's not stuff this anymore. So, um, in, in my world, I've been in a lot of talk, talk conversations, teaching mm-hmm. opportunities on the differences between generations. Okay. And and I would consider myself a young millennial. Okay. Um, I'm I'm part of the jaded generation that we all like to talk <laughs> about, but the. The new generation, Gen Z, mm-hmm. is uh, those are those who are in junior high and high school right now, okay. and um, how like in the coming years we're gonna um, talk about the millennials and how messed up they are. Um, right. That's gonna be put to the side, and now we're gonna be talking about Gen Z, and um, this generation is a generation who doesn't know a world without social media. Right. Um, they they've seen social media their whole life. Um, and in many ways, they know more on how to use it and interact with it mm-hmm. than the millennials and the Gen Xers, which are their parents. Right. So um, how does social media play into anxiety? Social media allows that ability um, right 
to communicate with their friends and communicate with a lot of people, which can be a good thing. But the anxiety part is when they feel like they have to post something. We have to, you know, put out what my life kind of looks like. And so if we don't get as many the responses that we like, mm-hmm. that sometimes can cause that anxiety to be, I mean, I got to keep posting or I got to post good things in my life and I got to get that feedback from from my friends online. And so we got to keep that kind of appearance going. And if that doesn't, if that falls short of what we want it to be, you know, that can cause anxiety to be like, I got to keep up. Have you ever legitimately heard anyone talk about, in a negative way, how, you know, how low uh, on the amount of likes or comments they have received on a post? What I have, I haven't, I have heard about that, um, not as much as, you know, what have you heard of what this person says? And then they get in, into this kind of back and forth with, with people online through Instagram or whatever social media um, app that they're using and then it creates more drama mm. and that drama can create more either anxiety or some you know that mood fluctuation um, and con- consistently getting into that drama c- can start causing other mental health kind yeah. of issues so um, okay the person that's listening right now they're a parent mm-hmm. grandparent that knows of a student who has unhealthy boundaries with social media. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's go ahead and assume that this parent or grandparent is on social media, but maybe they don't quite know all the inner workings of it. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to them as far as how do you, do you monitor the social media? Do you allow it? I mean, what are the boundaries here um, if you see unhealthy social media? So you definitely have to monitor it. You got you have to know what those apps are and allow that child, adolescent, um, student to be able to share with you what's going on, that you have that side of the relationship. You know, par- I always see parenting, caregiving as a balance between right the discipline and the relationship side mm-hmm. so with social media you got to be able to learn that balance you know if that's either having a device basket that the phones go into um, so that you know it can be turned off at a certain time you know 11 o'clock at night 10 30 um, where you're more susceptible to get caught up into the drama and the communication mm-hmm. Now, that probably is the peak hour that most, you know, <laughs> adolescents like to talk at that time. <laughs> but it's being able to tell, let them know the reason why we want to put these limits in place is so that you don't get so caught up in this. Yeah. You know, if you see that roller coaster ride going up and down, you know, we got to control some of the environment. And if that's going to be what's going into their bodies, and that's through social media... You know, we have to, we as caregivers, parents, have to be responsible for that and be able to show them, you know, this is good stewardship of not only our minds, but our bodies and our time as well. The answering the why question is huge and not just yes. saying, you know. I no, told you so. Yeah no, yeah. no phone at this time or that time. Yeah. And I know in my world of local church ministry, um, whenever we do a trip with our youth, yeah. um, I we don't do the the fight with the cell phones anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, just everyone has a cell phone, and it creates more problems to fight it than not. And one thing though is, I usually try to encourage them limit yeah. the cell phone use. You know, whenever we're on a mission trip or some conference trip, you're getting away to get away right. and not to. Um, you know, be engaged with whatever drama is happening right. back at home. And, you know, usually the the caregiver um, is worried about safety and, like, oh, you know, yeah. if something happens, it can get a hold of them and, and so forth. Um, in reality, if something were to happen, uh, me as the leader of the trip, I, mm-hmm. I'm going to want to talk to the, the parent, right? So right. 
I mean, in, in practice, if something were to happen, I would be contacting them anyways. Right. But what I have noticed is on a more consistent basis, when they do have their phone, mm-hmm. they can't help themselves but worry about what's happening at home or the right. drama with the boyfriend or the girlfriend. And then it's now a distraction to whatever right. the trip was for. Yeah. So I would even know, I mean, I know for myself, if I sit there and I look at my Facebook feeds and things like that, that if I continue spend time looking at that, my own just like emotions start increasing mm-hmm. because I'm I'm trying to get more information. I'm trying to keep up to date, and partially it's I'm bored, and I just want to keep going and going and going. And what I found out is that then that increases my own you know anxiety. So the use level. of social media and the issue of anxiety. Yeah. Is are those are these two things linked with peer pressure? I think it's like how someone views you and that does definitely play a part about, you know, it's that identity piece. You know, if we can bring in that idea of identity and strengthen that and it's not based on what our friends are gonna say or think or or you know, our parents or caregivers, that plays an important role. But, you know, that only goes so far. We have to cultivate an environment where we're teaching them that they can learn what God says about them and have that identity piece mm. there. That, that everlasting identity is what God says about them. You know, one thing that um, I, I've been teaching a class in, in, our, in, in my church on, yeah. it's kind of just parenting and, and faith issues and... We talk about culture and just better ways to lead our families. And there was a parent in this class about a month ago. She's got a high school son, mm-hmm. and um, it's really hard to get him to talk about how his day was. Okay. And you know, that's not his, uncommon. His feelings and things like that. One strategy that she has used that she has it has proven to her has worked is before like while he's laying in bed the bedroom lights will be shut off and she'll just stand at the door and they'll have a a conversation that's that's it i mean if the lights were on apparently there's no conversation but if they're off there is yeah you know sometimes it's especially with males it's not so much the eye-to-eye contact um i remember um and my previous job when i was working with kids out in the community um I would get a lot of, of boys at that time, and some of the best conversations I would have at that time would be the car rides to our events. Mm, yeah, you yeah. know. And the problem was they were only about ten minutes long. But when we were like almost concentrating on something else, but we could sit there and we could we could have a conversation about what's going on in their lives mm. better than if we were you know in an office just sitting there. And I think where we're going at here yeah. is on the. In the context of identity, using these moments of before they go to bed or while you're in the car, reaffirming who they are in Christ and not allowing what they see on social media or what they hear at school to be shaping their identity. Correct, correct. And and so that's where, you know, you can bring up in verses like, you know, um, Romans 8, 1 through 2, I'm free from condemnation. The, this idea about security, you know, a lot of a lot of people doesn't matter how old you are are worried about, you know, feeling secure, and and that's sometimes the root issue of mm-hmm. anxiety is that security. Um, I also like the one like Second Timothy one seven. I'm not, I have not been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I have that through Christ. And if I'm able to use that against my fear, against my anxiety, mm-hmm. that gives me a, a better identity, a, a strength that I don't have on my own. I have that through God. And so I also wanted to bring in um, just kind of a thing that you can put in, you know, anybody's lunchbox. You can put yeah. this on your mirror. And it comes out of a book called Spiritual Parenting. It's um, by Michelle Anthony. Yeah, if you don't have this book, get this book. This is yeah. a good book. Yeah, so it's Spiritual Parenting, An Awakening for Today's Families um, by Michelle Anthony. And there's a part in there, it talks about your identity and how do we kind of uh, bring that t- to light 
How do we bring that environment? Um, how do we talk about that in our household? And uh, so she she created a uh, personalized statement for this identity. And for her, and you can put anybody's name in, but I'll use her name for right now is because it's hers. It says, my name is Michelle Anthony. I am the chosen and adopted daughter of the Most High King. I am the heir to an eternal inheritance waiting for me in heaven. I have been bought and completely paid for by the perfect sacrifice of Christ's own blood and am sealed throughout all eternity by God's Holy Spirit. Don't mess with me. So if you think about that, if if you read that, I mean, for me, that, that makes me stand up a little bit mm-hmm. taller. Yeah. It makes me feel like, you know what, I can reach, I can make it through today. I can accomplish what I want to today. And I don't have to worry about what's coming up next. And I can do this because God's given me that security. Are we going to have tough days? Right. It's not going to be easy every single day. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some even tough hours. But I know that I have the identity that I'm still secure and I can get up the next morning and go. I love what you said about the car and how that's the perfect opportunity to engage your your student or yeah. child in reaffirming what their identity is mm-hmm. and asking questions that, aren't, that don't uh, require a yes-no answer right. about their day. Yes, yep, yep. So. One thing I would add, too, is just being able to pray for them. You know, when they come with any worries or fears about their day, about their test, about their friends, um, pray for the Holy Spirit's peace to be able to be in in their classrooms. You know, be able to ask for that presence to be able to be pouring into their rooms. And just as a pastor, let me just say, if you are a caregiver who is like, oh my gosh, I could never pray with somebody else. Like, I don't pray out loud. I can't do that. Let me encourage you to just do it because guess what? Um, Your your kid, your grandkid, um, they feel uncomfortable about it more than likely as well. And if you as a caregiver can just break that barrier and that that uncomfortable situation, um, it's a win-win for everybody. You'll get used to doing it. Your child or grandchild will see you doing it and they will realize, oh, it's okay. Correct. Because I guarantee you, your child or grandchild will not be judging you on how you prayed for them. They will be thankful. And you know what? If you also say, you know, I'm a little nervous here at first, and these aren't going to be perfect words, but this is my heart for you, and I want you to be able to have God's peace. Yeah. Just just let it out there. Because a lot of times our kids, our adolescents, they have anxiety because there's a little bit inside of us, and it's getting passed on. Oh, that's good. And that's where, you know wounded people wound other people it's not that we're bad parents bad caregivers we're just in a wounded spot and we need a you know we need god's touch um to be able to heal those areas to be able to do that that's good stuff and so we need to be aware of that and sometimes just allowing um our kids to know that that i'm i'm a i'm wounded in that area Mm -hmm. we don't go into all the details but we just say hey this is what's going on i'm working on it um, I'm looking at getting help for that too. Is a, is a key there? Um, is there is there a um, is there a common thread with children and students today as to why they have anxiety? There is that correlation that that the anxiety is typically you know the, the environment at their home is a little bit more anxious. Um, or they're going through an adjustment period, you know, um, with broken homes, divorces, um, even things like moving houses, um, starting new school years. Um, those things kind of bring up some anxiety. But one thing, a stronger correlation that I keep seeing is typically one of the parents, um, caregivers as well, have that as well. Mm-hmm. And so they might have learned how to deal with it. But it's still kind of in the environment a little bit. And so we have to teach the kids how to do that. I can't but help, just hearing you talk, I can't help but think how important, because of this, this is why it is so important that in the evenings you instill family time 
and that you don't buy into what culture says being busy, busy, busy is the key to success. Right. So if there's one thing, you know, is a takeaway to move forward and say, hey, what do I need to do to kind of help work on anxiety or decrease the anxiety in my house? One of that is, how do I relax? You know, God says to be still and know me. And so that fights anxiety. Mm -hmm. So if I want to finish that quote I started with today was, you know, depression is the fear of the past, anxiety is the fear of the future, then the goal is to stay in the present. Mm. Stay in the here and now. And that's what God asks us to do. Yeah. And so it's being able to be right here, have time to be right here, be together as a family. I know it's first it might be awkward, a lot of silence. Um be able to play games together, be able to eat, maybe even watch movies, be able to have those conversations, um, have that type of environment, but starting to learn how to be still. I um, I don't remember at what point of this winter we yeah. had some winter storm in the Midwest and it knocked out a bunch of power. Mm. And I remember hearing from a parent telling me how thankful they were they had no power because... <laughs> They, they couldn't do anything. Right. They, no one could be on their electronics. Yeah. Um, they couldn't, the mom and dad couldn't go to work. So the family was forced to stay home and they had to play a board game. And they had yeah. to talk. Yeah. And it was awesome. And actually what they found was their kids loved it. Yeah. And I found that where, you know, of course when I'm working with kids, right we don't have any social media going on so what i do some kids don't like to sit here and talk so we play like uno and we mm-hmm. play go fish and some other games so it allows for conversation to happen at the same time but it allows them to stay more here and just kind of be themselves mm-hmm. and that's what it's trying to create an environment of that that you can allow them to kind of be themselves and that those those relationships are cultivated there um and so being able to unplug is a great way to be able to, you know, slow down. And you know what? Me, Wi-Fi and things like that now are coming with time limits. Mm. I've seen it even on uh, my Xbox now. You can actually, as a parent, have a parent control of putting in so many hours. Really? Yeah. Okay. The, the latest update on the Xbox now has it where you can go in and you can put a time limit now on uh, people's user names um, so that they can only play Xbox for, you know, wow. an hour, two hours, and then it, it shuts off. That is one thing that I don't really understand is game systems. Okay. I, I got to be honest, I don't game. Okay. The only game system I ever had was a GameCube, okay. and that wasn't even cool. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really wanted a GameCube, so you're gonna have to do something about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, but I'm just thinking back to this parent, though. Yeah. I mean, and and they have older high school students. Okay. And so don't think that. Your, your high school student doesn't want to talk to you, right. can't talk to you, or they don't like board games. They, they, they love board games. Right. And they can play a board game. And the interaction is great. And yeah. you mentioned about unplugging. Um, they didn't choose to unplug. Uh, uh, they had to, right? <laughs> nature. Yeah, nature. Yeah. Because of nature, they had to unplug. Yeah. And it ended up being really good for them. Right. So. Well, and think about that, too. I mean, if you wanted to teach them a card game, you know, something um, that they could play, spades, hearts, things like that, um, that they can play anywhere, and then create some type of competition um, mm-hmm. and and create some type of fun atmosphere yeah. to be able to do that. And it starts that balance between relationship and, and discipline that, you know, a parent needs. And if they don't like board games, but it's even just going and having breakfast together mm-hmm. or, you know, doing that once a month or doing something that they like to do, um, you know, get Starbucks, whatever, um, to be able to have that relationship. Yeah. Um, is there anything different when it comes to the, the root of anxiety for adults? For adults, there's some type of hurt wound typically um that started when they're younger um 
and that could be during this, you know, teen years, adolescence, um, younger than that, um, where they felt, you know, hurt by somebody. Um, again, it could have been their parents or their caregivers, um, and it might have been they were good, good caregivers, good parents, but they were wounded, and so that kind of passed on, and so, you know, there's they're trying to fill that hole. They're trying to fill that hole with work with shopping, things possibly with like pornography, drinking, you know, there's sometimes a little, we call them big T and little T's, and the T stands for trauma mm. that has kind of taken place back there. Um, it could even been something as simple as just, well, I don't know if it's always simple, but could be moving. Um, they could move far away, could move close, but um, it created a small trauma or a big trauma, and being able to look at that trauma be able to say you know who is it that has hurt me or that you know I've hurt that person um, and how do I then process that how do I say what my feelings are about that and then give it over to God and allow God to be able to say you know what I'm gonna take that mm-hmm. for you and I know where to place it um, and it's not that we're gonna forget about it but we're going to be able to have it not trigger us as much. It's not going to be the thing that we're searching to fill that need anymore. Um, it's not going to cause us as much pain. Maybe no pain at all. Yeah. And we're going to ask God to then fill in with that truth. Yeah. goes back to that identity again. So you have um, a really cool graphic here um, kind of relating to this identity piece of anxiety and, and so forth. Can you explain this I, I think it's really great it yeah. kind of shows how the gospel really can transform a life and and, yeah. and how you live so uh, yeah i'll read this first i have to say i didn't create it i got it from a um a ministry called pure desire and so um but i will apply it to everybody kind of daily life um and so they are the ones that created it but they say you know we do things kind of like the things we had said um Maybe we shop too much, we work too hard, we look, we drink, we we look at pornography, we do a lot of things. Maybe even we're on social media too much, you know. Um, and so that's the thing that kind of creates some type of pleasure. And that's the thing that's filling that trauma that we just talked about, the big T, little T. Um, it's the thing that allows us to escape. Well, that, that can become a sin. That can become a thing that distracts us. It keeps us away from God. It keeps us away from relationships with other people. And it starts controlling our lives. And so then we start feeling guilty and we feel shame. So the difference between guilt and shame is one is that I feel bad. And feeling bad is, all right, maybe we need to change it. But then it goes to, I am bad. Mm. And if we're feeling like I am a bad person, we've got into this shame. That's an extra, you know, deeper level, and we've got to work on this. And then that creates pain that I don't want, I don't like this pain that I'm sitting with. So if we're going to stay in the shame cycle, that creates secrecy. And that doesn't want us to share with it, because if people kind of knew what we were dealing with or what we're doing, then they're not going to like us. What does that lead right to? Isolation. Because we don't want to share this with other people. I see that a lot. Yeah. We just we start isolating. We put up walls, and we want to be alone with our pain, and we think we can handle it. Mm. And that leads right into separation. And we start separating ourselves from other people, from God, from you know the people that w- want to help with us. And maybe we we say, oh, yeah, we still have friends, but they don't know the true. We just, true us. We just have kind of a mask up. In the local church ministry, I tend to see this is when... All, um, that person slowly drifts away from their small group. Mm, okay, yeah. Or the student drifts away from youth group or whatever it may be. Yeah. There's something else going There's on something there. something else going on. And then what do we do because we feel bad and, we, and we're still sitting with that pain? We go back to that pleasure thing that brings us pleasure. And we do that and we're like, why do I keep doing this? Mm. Why do I keep doing this? Um, it's because we like those brain chemicals that get placed in our head. Um, from doing those things like being on social media. And that's what creates the cycle. Yeah, that's the reason why we keep needing more and more of this. And if we keep we keep liking those chemicals, 
that's why we can't always just pray more. We can't always just, you know, talk it out. We can't just, you know, stop doing it. It's because now we we start liking those brain mm. chemicals that our body um, naturally produces in our head. And so we have to realize this. This is not just a behavioral thing. It's also a chemical thing. Yeah. And we have to start working on how do we, you know, <laughs> break those cycles. This This makes total sense to me. So how does the gospel weave into this and get us out of the cycle okay so what we do once we know that we're feeling guilty and shame and we're sitting with our pain we have to be honest with ourselves we have to be honest with you know the reason why i am going back and i and i'm shopping more or i'm looking at pornography or drinking more or on facebook and um it's because of you know maybe I don't feel adequate it's our identity I don't feel secure my parents didn't tell me that I was secure um I I don't have a relationship with my husband or wife that I want to be I need to work more um because you know what I feel like I can't catch up enough um or I want to be financially um secure and so I need to keep working more and so what we need to do is be honest with that and then we need to be repentant of it, you know, in that sense of, God, I am taking control of this where I should be giving it to you. Mm. You know, I was just kind of reminded this week as I was reading through the Old Testament, you know, the Levites were given, um, you know, the offerings because they were trusting, they were doing God's service and God said, I will provide for you. And so we need to be, you know, saying, God, you're going to now be my, you know, provision and you're going to be my identity, and I'm going to then give that to you instead of any other kind of idols that we're putting that in place of that. And so that's where that repentance piece mm-hmm. comes in. And then we need to ask for forgiveness, not only from God, but maybe even from other people. And, or we might need to forgive ourselves and asking God to provide that for, for us. And so that creates then intimacy. We get to know God better. Mm-hmm. It's a deeper relationship, relational knowing, because we know God has forgiven us those things. And he's given us now the truth about our identity, about, you know, he's, we're free from condemnation. We are an heir um, of his. And so that allows us to know that and feel that even closer because we can be intimate with him. And that's what we're really chasing after. Right. That, that's what we're really wanting with the whole finding comfort with the Lord and underneath his his guidance and his leadership and his lordship and but we tend to fall into the other cycle. Right, 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 right. Yep. And cuz it's easier to fall and we might've been working in that shame cycle for years mm. and years cuz we were maybe managing it okay until it gets to a point where we can't manage it any yeah. longer or yeah, or we're not aware of it and then it comes aware. And so we want to be able to be in the grace cycle where we recognize um, when our pain is and we're going to be honest about it and we're going to be able to, you know, repent of it. We're going to be able to have a communication and relationship with God and others um, because that's where the end of the cycle ends is that we are able to be in communion, have relationship with other people. You know how cool would that be to be able to teach young people how to do that now? Oh, man. Instead of waiting until they're 30, 40, 50, um, or even older um, to be able to be out of that. Well, I can't help but think of when Paul talks about how he does the things he doesn't want to do, and he doesn't do the things that he wants to do for the Lord. And I I can't help but like look at this visual, and it breaks it down so well as to how you can break that cycle of uh, that continued sin yeah. now i'm looking here um in order to break the shame cycle mm-hmm. you either go in the direction of secrecy which follows you into isolation you mm-hmm. stay in the shame cycle or your guilt uh, and and or shame mm-hmm. it has to lead you to pain in order to be honest is am i reading this correctly well what there's always going to feel pain after guilt and shame so the goal would be to be honest with your pain. Okay. That's that's the end. Of, that's the goal with it. Is we need to first be honest with it, um, instead of make our pain secrecy. Okay. And and so I guess uh, you know being able to have that one extra aerial between um, pain going to secrecy or pain going to honesty um, would be what we 
what we should want to do is go to honesty. The great thing, and I th- we touched on this a little bit, is a culture of grace works from a restored identity and, and in Christ, not for it, meaning that we're, you know, we already have this identity. We, I know we've been talking a lot about this, but it's key, and it's key for any age group, is to know that identity and know that we can go back to it. But we're already there. If we're mm-hmm. a follower of Christ, we've got that identity. We just have to start kind of believing it, start putting it in our mindset, renewing our mind on a daily basis instead of thinking we have to work for it. A lot of us feel like we have to work for it. Our mind is such a powerful thing. Yes. And we're, we've got lazy minds. Right. We have to be able to exercise it. Yeah. And that's what I <laughs> I teach kids about that a lot that we can exercise our minds to overcome the anxiety overcome depression overcome a lot of our kind of negative yeah. thinking yeah um, to be able to do that and that's really what i i do and I, and I like to be able to help people see that you know what through that we can use god's word to strengthen our muscles yeah. what's that quote that you just gave there i really like that a culture of grace works from a restored identity in Christ, not for it. Mm, that's good. So again, that's that good. came. This all came from pure desire ministries, and um, I've been able to kind of just take that and mold it and shape it into other people's yeah. lives. Well, um, two questions, and we'll yes, kind of wrap things up. Thinking of um, just your personal walk with Christ. Is there a, a name that pops in the, into your head of somebody who really made a difference in your life? First name. My first name would be... Um, my parents would be there. They would be ones that were... you know, When I was um, going through high school and um, going through college, and I was struggling with... Um, one was, I guess... We made a church change, and one was my parents kind of made that decision to kind of change churches, and so when we worked went to the other this new church, it was a whole change. You know, God just blossomed in our family. We had that conversations about God on a daily, mm. it seemed like a daily weekly basis, and so um, that was a big change for me. Um, and I remember when when Promise Keepers was big. Hey, I, I Promise know. Keepers! Yeah, I remember taking uh, going with my dad, and um, that was the night I really remember saying, "You know what, God, I'm gonna give my total life to you now," because um, I grew up went got baptized when I was twelve and and did all that. But that's when I said, "You know what, I'm gonna live for you, and I'm gonna you know um, see what you have for me." I I grew in my identity then. Mm. I gave the control over to God um, and said, you know, now you're not just a Sunday God, you're an all the, mm-hmm. <laughs> every day of the week God. Yeah. And so that really changed me. And I, and I remember that um, and just feeling so much confident. And my high school years went so much better. Yeah. And so that was awesome because I was that kid um, in junior high and, and even freshman in high school where um, I was depressed, I was sad. Um, and it was because I didn't have my identity. Um, I didn't know who I was yet. And so when I learned what my identity was, I became confident. Um, and then people started liking me. <laughs> um, and I, I'm completely different um, than what I am uh, now. And so um, that was a big mood change. And, and I thank God for that, to be able to do that. And wrestling with, um, you know, where, where I'm going to go next. Yeah. You know, and my identity um, to my profession now. Um, I wrestled with God for a little bit, and then I remember um, finally saying, God, okay, what do you want me to do? And um, he said, ministry, and I was like, no, and so we wrestled for a while. And then I said, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. And um, so when I did that, I um, started looking for colleges, and my dad was the one that actually found Lincoln. Okay. And um, from there, he's like, go, why don't you check it out? And I'm like, okay, I will. And my mom went with me then, and, and what she said, you know, when we were doing the college visits, um, she said, when I heard of the counseling ministry, that's when she said, hey, you know what, counseling I think would be a good fit. And I said, I, I agree with you. Um, one, um, it wasn't youth ministry because I didn't want to be a preacher. 
Um, <laughs> I thought I was going to be a preacher if I became a youth minister. And so um, I didn't want to do that. And so I said, yes, counseling would be the yeah. way to go. And so, and they confirmed it with me as well. And so that kind of was one of those things that just said, okay, I'm going to go for it. And God's blessed me in every step um, in that area as yeah. well. I like to remind people that the biggest influence in anyone's life is their parents. Yeah. Like whether you want to be or not, you as a parent, the caregiver, you are going to be the biggest influence on that child or that student in guiding them in whatever direction. And so if you are a Christian, you need to be guiding them to the Lord. And the second thing that I like to encourage families is surround your your child your student with another christian voice right that is not yours yeah that will come in handy in their teen years definitely um and and somebody who you can partner with that whatever you're trying to teach at home they can help reinforce when they're not at home that's why uh, and of course i'm in the world of student ministry but wherever your family goes to church you need to get your student at student ministry you need to get your student in a Sunday school class or a small group within the student ministry so that they can meet an adult leader who loves Jesus who can help you in cultivating their identity in Christ and same with children get your child into children's ministry get your child around uh, maybe your church doesn't have children's ministry that's fine take them to a Sunday school class or Go to the fellowship time at your church and mm-hmm. sit with somebody who loves your child, who can reinforce their identity in Christ. Yeah. So. And I had that community as well, um, where I had a couple youth ministers um, just be able to pour in um, to me. Um, a small group leader at that time that I really um, connected with mm. and wanted to spend time with um, to be able to do that. And so... Um, and then even through college, when I did my internship, I did my internship at a counseling um, ministry at a church. And so I had two pastors just kind of pouring into me there. Um, that was an awesome experience as well. It takes a lot of people. It, it takes, takes a church. It takes, it takes the a church. church. Um, I find people now. I mean, I need people now um, outside just to be able to pour into me now um, to continue because we get we get lost. Yeah. We lost our identity if we stay isolated. Um and so we need to have others to be Absolutely. there to support us as well. All right. So every episode yes. that I do, I end with this question. I don't know if do you remember it. Uh, not right now. Uh-oh. All right. Here's a question. What is a question that nobody has ever asked you or that they rarely ask you oh, okay. that you wish they would ask you? It can be anything. 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 Okay. Like, for me, I really wish somebody, I said this on another episode, I really wish someone would ask me what would be my favorite African animal to ride like a horse. And what is that answer? Uh, the rhino. Oh, the rhino. Yeah, okay. I want to ride a rhino into, yeah. like, a brick wall. Oh, okay. I, I of course, want to I wanna live. Right, yeah. But. Wow. Um... So a lot of times when, you know, I'm getting to know kids, we, we do this thing. We just ask ourselves kind of goofy questions and things like that. It's kind of an icebreaker. Um, and especially those clients that have anxiety, yeah, they're, they're yeah. worried about coming and talking with me. So one question is, what would be the fa- um, your favorite animal to pet if you could pet one? And I always say, like, lion. You know, and they're like, really? You want? I'm like, yeah. I mean, as long as it wouldn't bite me or hurt me, <laughs> it would be great to be it's able to. It's a very to, tame lion. A very tame lion. Just be able to, you know, play, touch the mane yeah. and uh, be able to just. You know, I saw that. a video on Facebook of somebody, I'm assuming they were on a safari in yeah. Africa, and he's sitting in his car, passenger seat. Yeah. And there was a lion that was slowly wow. walking. And the lion was like the size of his car. Wow. And he had his phone out and he's yeah. taking this video. And I mean, this thing is probably five feet maybe from yeah. his car. I mean, the quickness of this animal could totally eat this guy. And he kept the, the phone out and he yeah. just videotaped the whole thing. Yeah. So I'd pet a lion if I could. <laughs> as long as it doesn't eat you. Exactly, exactly. Okay. All right. I can have that in writing. 
Well, hey, um, it was good driving to Peoria and hey, seeing your office here. Thanks for um, making it out, yeah. Absolutely, and um, really glad we were able to make this happen because I have just really seen a ton, a ton of anxiety at all levels mm-hmm. within my students, and I presume it's out there too. Yeah. It's not just in my little world and my local church ministry. So um, for our listeners, I hope that uh, you really learned something, got a little nugget of information or encouragement uh, through this podcast. Uh, Britt has an office in Peoria and Bloomington, is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if, if you, the listener, or maybe you've got a family member that... You know, anxiety is something that uh, really is, is taking their life. Um, you know, hit up Britt. Um, he works with a, an organization called Psychology Specialists. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you can Google that. Correct. Yeah, yep, you we can have. Google it. Our website is psychologyspecialist.com. I'm in the division called Christian, um, the Institute for Christian okay. Psychology. That's the division under um, Psychology Specialist. And so there's a couple, there's a few other providers, counselors as well, um, Dr. Foster, um, Sarah Kane, um, to name a few that specialize in Christian counseling as well. Um, and so um, look us up. Um, if, if you're not anywhere close to the Illinois area, you know, look up the provider, see what Christian counselors are out there. But um, I'm more than help, welcome. Um, for any questions, I don't like that through my email. It's on my website and things like that. Awesome. Psychologyspecialist.com. This, uh, the two resources we talked about, this graphic on the shame cycle and the grace cycle. Yes. What? Where's the source for that? That's through Pure Desire Ministries. Okay. Um, they're out of uh, Washington, um, the state of Washington. Okay. And then... Um, Spiritual Parenting. Spiritual Parenting. Awakening for Today's Family by Michelle Anthony. You can get that online as well um, to be able to find those. Good deal. Well, I'm always about equipping and encouraging families, caregivers, when it comes to just the realities of their life and the Christian faith. So um, please check out these resources we talked about uh, today. And again, hey, I am so glad that you have listened to the Bridge podcast. We're all about bridging uh, topics with parenting in 2017 and the challenges with that and with the Christian faith. And we hope that you were not only encouraged uh, by this episode, but that you feel equipped to be able to tackle some of that anxiety that may be in your life or in your loved one's life. So, um, again, uh, it was good meeting with Britt in his Peoria office. Thank you for listening, and we will see you on the next episode.